Welcome to this month's Millennial Spotlight, brought to you by Lead With Intention. I'm Leslie Bosterman, executive coach and lifestyle strategist, partnering with millennial leaders and their managers. The purpose of these conversations with millennial changemakers is to deepen and extend the dialogue around how to lead with intention. This month, we're focusing on the intention of becoming a changemaker and how to lead sustainable change to make a positive impact. I'm here with Alex Budak, a fellow UCLA Bruin alumni and a serial social entrepreneur. He co-founded and now advises StartSomeGood.com, a crowdfunding platform for changemakers, which has helped over 700 social impact organizations in more than 50 countries, raves over $5 million. Alex is a firm believer that anyone can be a changemaker, and we're excited to learn more from his experience and insight. Welcome, Alex. Hey, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm excited to, to learn from you. So... Tell us a little bit about just who you are and your background. Sure. Well, I'm a social entrepreneur, but didn't always think of myself that way. Uh, I think uh, the journey as a social entrepreneur started when I went out to Washington, D.C. for graduate school. I was doing a Master of Public Policy degree. But I think within the first week or two, realized that I was probably too entrepreneurial for the typical public policy path. But then fortunately, I got a chance to go live in India for a little bit between my first of graduate school. And while there, I got introduced for the very first time to the concept of social entrepreneurship. I was volunteering with a group that was uh, using sport to work with girls from the local slum, uh, using sport as a tool to teach healthy habits and leadership and female empowerment, uh, and became really inspired by this idea that social change doesn't come from one or two big organizations, but rather from lots of people pursuing their own version of social good. Uh, so that was sort of the uh, flame that got lit for me, and then moved back, went back to Washington, D.C., and uh, continued, finished up my degree, but really had one foot in the policy world and one foot in the social entrepreneurship world. And then um, I think there's something powerful when you have this idea for something you want to see in the world, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have these ideas come and go, but there's something when that idea really sticks with you, where you go, hey, I think there's actually something behind this when you're thinking about it when you go to sleep, when you're thinking about it when you're in the shower. And for me, that, that was the idea of Start Some Good. And reflecting back on my time in India, just thinking there's so many great ideas out there, so many change makers, but just too many barriers getting in the way. And so that was the inspiration to start Start Some Good. Uh, I connected with an amazing co-founder who was my partner in the journey as we got this thing started, just from an idea literally on a napkin into uh, a social enterprise. Nice. Uh, and so lots of ups and downs and a true roller coaster, which we can, can talk more about. Um, but um, that's certainly been a big part of the trajectory of my life. And then also fortunately being a social entrepreneur meant an excuse to meet uh, the wonderful woman who'd become my wife. She was working at an organization called Ashoka which is often known as the organization that gave birth to the concept of social entrepreneurship. And then she and I have built a, a wonderful life together as a result, including most recently living in Stockholm, Sweden, where I was running an, an incubator for social entrepreneurs and reflecting a lot about both my own social entrepreneurship journey and also about some of the leadership skills and changemaker skills that people need to create the positive change they want to see in the world. That's so awesome. I, I love the fact that your story not only reflects your values and who I know you to be as a person and as a friend and as a former classmate, um, but it, it shows that when you put your values in action and you live that out, you not only help the world, but you make genuine connections. And, and the ability to do that and continue that is something that 
is a hallmark of your life and your story. So tell me uh, more about this concept of becoming a change maker. The, the catchphrase or buzzword of change maker is like all over the place, especially for millennials. So when you think of individuals who are true change makers, what are the specific leadership qualities that they embody and they practice? Seth Godin has a way he talks about change making, which I really like, which is the concept of falling in love with an alternate future. So I think mm. change makers are often thinking about uh, what's possible and challenging the, the status quo. So of course, vision is, is part of it. But then when I think about the truly successful change makers, so those that are already sold into the idea of, okay, I know the change I want to make, and this is how I want to make it. Um, I really think about three mindsets that I think are crucial to be a great change maker. The first one is to have a learning mindset. So based off of you know the idea of a growth mindset by Carol Dweck. But the idea being that for you to create change, you are gonna be constantly failing. Almost by definition, you're setting yourself up to, to constantly fail. The idea is that you're failing forward, hopefully, uh, but that you're willing to believe in something so strongly that even though you'll fail, you'll get back up again, you'll dust yourself off, and you'll continuously learn and refine and, and grow. Um, for those in the startup world, you might think of Eric Ries's, uh concept of you know, a startup being learning as much as you possibly can uh, from the lean startup. But for me, it's really about how can you always be thinking about improving and growing and changing, and then ultimately taking that growth mindset and uh, helping others be inspired by that. Yeah, That's absolutely. Yeah. Carol Dweck has so much goodness, and I'm glad, I'm glad to see you and other people apply it in all walks of life, not just in education. So that's a great plug. So you said three things. What are the other two? The other two is trust in oneself. So um, you have to put yourself out there and it's a bit scary. So it might be that you have this belief, this future that you see, but you have to be willing to say like, you know what? I don't know exactly how I'm going to make this change happen, but I trust myself that I, I can, that that can be scary. And I think it really requires that trust in yourself. And that's both the trust that you'll figure it out as you go, but also almost this trust that you don't know all the answers right now, but that you'll figure them out eventually. Um, so it takes a bit of that uh, sort of confidence, but it's more of a, a trust or a belief that you can actually figure it out. But I should say that's, I think, deeply coupled with humility. I think humility is one of the most underappreciated, but such important uh, value and a mindset, which is the idea that when you think about creating change, you can't do it yourself. The truly great change makers recognize that thing you're working in a complex system and in a network, and it's not just about you, and that you have certain skills that you bring to the table, but others will be much better than you in other things. And so that I think a big part of being a good change maker is knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at, and then recognizing the talents that you see in others. True change will come when you're able to affect systems change at the deepest level. And that means that you're not just working in a vacuum, but rather you're surrounding yourself with great people and you're learning how all these pieces fit together. And so I think humility is, uh, is central to that. That's so encouraging to hear too, because a lot of the stereotypes I'm confronted with from managers and from other generations about millennials are, man, they're just not humble. They don't have that sense of, um, they have too much confidence or overconfidence in themselves or their skills. And I've met so many humble, teachable, learning-infused millennials. And I think sometimes the zeal and the vision you describe gets mistaken for overconfidence. So that's, that's just something I've observed. So to dovetail off those three things, um, 
Tell me a couple more trends that you've noticed in millennial peers around leading change. Like what, what are they doing and maybe what are they not doing or what are they overlooking? Well, I think the first and key trend, which probably anyone listening to your podcast already recognizes, but I think is still worth stating, is that millennials are looking for more out of their life and their work and their job. It's not just about getting a paycheck anymore, but people really want to be purpose-driven. And we want to be change makers in all aspects of our lives. So in the work that we do, in the services and products that we buy, and the people we interact with. And so I really see change making going beyond just the maybe concept 30 years ago of, okay, I'll go work at a nonprofit or I'll work in the foreign service. But now thinking about how change can um, manifest itself in so many different ways. So dovetailing that also that I think in the social entrepreneurship world, we often have the tendency to um, glorify the individual leader, the person that founds an organization or starts something. And while, of course, that's an important aspect of change making, the most important trend that I see is that change making is available to anyone and to everyone. And that means wherever you are, I like the concept of leading from where you are. Similarly, be a change maker from where you are. It doesn't require starting your own organization, jumping out on a limb, being a startup founder. Rather, it's about recognizing what your skills are, so that trusting yourself, the humility to know what you're good at and what you're not, and then recognizing the unique change that you can bring into the world. And so I think an important uh, trend is that um, the decoupling of change maker ability from position, and that I think is empowering a whole new generation of people to be change makers wherever they are in their career and wherever they are in the world. Yeah, and that reminds me of a a theme we focused on um, a few episodes back about curiosity and just being willing to ask questions and not having to know and not having to control and having, that again, that humility to get curious. And oftentimes when we get curious about what is needed and what our place in that change is, I feel like that's the first step to kind of say, okay, now what? So when you think about what millennials could be doing more of, what comes to mind? Well, this you know, again tracks back to the idea of humility. But for me, there's this great impulse that I think many millennials have, which is the idea of wanting to make a difference, wanting to start something. I think that's an awesome thing. That's the trust in oneself, uh, the growth mindset. But I think so important is that as you set about to create change, you set about the opportunity to positively affect other people's lives, to not just do it in a vacuum and not just assume that you know all the right answers. The point where I sometimes cringe when I see change makers or social entrepreneurs is where they're designing a solution for a target group that maybe they've never met or they don't deeply understand. So I think it's so important to get out there and understand what it is that you're doing, why you're doing it, and to know that the people whom you may be helping actually want that as much as possible to involve them in the actual solutions. And it takes humility. That takes saying, look, I don't know your situation as well as you do, but I want to work with you. I want to be there with you. Uh, This concept of if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, I think is powerful. And I think change makers would do well to make sure they're involving more people rather than less and crucially the right people. Yeah, it's, it's more about being an anthropologist than a consultant in that sense, like being willing to, to live it and see it and listen and grow beyond yourself than just be the expert and be the one to tell someone what to do. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, in all startups and especially in the social change startups, the idea 
that's the easy part. Coming up with an idea, it's the execution that's the hard part. And execution requires getting people on board. And that's where some of the skills of leadership are, are so crucial. Yeah. So let's say you have your idea. You have that spark or that vision. Um, if someone came to you and said, okay, I have this change-making idea. It's going to like be a breakthrough. I have the next big thing. But now what? Where would you direct them? To their community. If they don't know who the community is, then to start building that community. Uh, for me, with, with my idea, um, the key is that thankfully I had a natural inclination to talk to people about it. So often I see people that are scared of talking about their idea and, and the fear that someone might steal it. But to me, so many good things happen when you start talking with people about the idea, and especially when you can approach it from a, a place of positive inquiry as opposed to this is what we're doing. And when you do that, you find these amazing synergies that come up, people that want to help you, people that want to support you, people that might not support you directly, but they know someone else who can help. So to start talking about it and start thinking about how others might be able to support you in, in this project. Um, a very interesting lesson that I learned with Start Some Good is that, well, of course, we're a crowdfunding platform. We help people get the money they need for their ideas. Uh, often equally potent is the ability to raise a community around it. So we found that oftentimes someone may come in and donate $50, $100, few hundred dollars, uh, but it's actually the non made as a result that were much more important than the, the money. So I think as much as possible, identify who your tribe is and then start connecting with them. So once you have your tribe, once you know, okay, these are the people that I want to serve, these are the people that I want to talk to, um, what other resources are out there? So for someone who's just really fresh in this and needs like that next step. Well, there's some good courses online. Acumen does a number of good courses around social entrepreneurship. So those can be useful to people. Uh, but I think often it's about just starting and doing. So don't try to come up with something that's perfect in a laboratory and then put it out there. But really, like all things in life, it's an iterative approach. You're testing hypotheses, you're putting something out there, you're seeing if it works, seeing if it doesn't work. It's a mistake that, that I made with Start Some Good. We waited way too long to launch our site to the point where a competitor came along and stole all of our media attention uh, because they launched about a week before we did. So oh, I think wow, it's so, impor yeah. <laughs> so important to just get your idea out there and start getting feedback and start learning what works and, and what doesn't. Um, too often we think about launching a product as the end point of all this hard work. It's really just the beginning. So think about what the as we say in the lean startup world, the minimum viable product. What's the least you can do to start learning if your idea is actually going to work? And then work from there. So put something out there. And then from the growth mindset approach, just keep learning and growing and changing and adapting. And then if you're willing to put in the work and be um, resilient enough, some amazing things can happen. Yeah, you know, one of the things that this reminds me of is when I was doing my, my coach training so many years ago in New York City, we wore name tags with our name on it. And every time we quote unquote failed, which is, I mean, that's such a relative term, we would put a tally mark and we were trying to fail the most because that's how we knew we were risking enough. That's how we knew we were asking enough. We were leaning in enough, you know, and it was such a counterintuitive perspective because it's like, no, you don't want to fail. You want to avoid your all costs. You want to look good. You want to be polished. Yet so much of what goes into change making and influencing and leading is really that ability to say, I'm not afraid. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to see what happens and I'm going to grow. And I think you've just articulated all of that just so beautifully. 
I couldn't agree more, and I, I believe so strongly in, in failing that it's actually the very first check-in question that I use during each of my team meetings each week. So I always ask, um, "How did you feel forward this week?" So not failing is in like I sent a terrible email, but what's the, the the risk that you took that maybe didn't pay off, and what did you learn from it? Yeah. And I think it's so important as a leader to be able to to model that, so to be the first one to be vulnerable and share, "Hey, here's how I messed up," but to create that culture where people feel like they can fail. Uh, Google did it, some really interesting research based off of all of their teams, all their employees. And in order for employees to be really successful at work, they need to feel that they're safe. That's the number one thing that they need. And I think so much of it is giving space and giving the okay as a leader to say, it's okay to fail. In fact, we embrace failure because that means that you're trying things, you're pushing things forward. The most stagnant teams and the exact antithesis of being a change maker is where you just sit on your hands and you're too afraid to fail that you never actually create the positive change that you're capable of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something to be said about the difference between the perception of failure and the perception of just not succeeding. So often we equate oh, I didn't succeed in X in the way that I wanted it to, to failure automatically. You know, sometimes it's just you didn't succeed. You didn't fail. You just maybe didn't have the same outcome. So I also want to encourage our listeners that if you have an awesome idea and you share it with someone and you don't get the response that you were hoping for or anticipating, it doesn't mean you failed. It just means that's their opinion. Keep talking about it. Keep dreaming. Keep pushing. Like, um, don't don't look at that as a reason to take a U-turn on your idea. I can second that and say that when you do get negative feedback, it often says more about that person than it does about you. So going back to this idea of trusting yourself is one of the key change maker skills. Um, yeah, have that trust in yourself that if you have an idea, you have it for a reason. Be humble and be open to getting feedback and seeing what works and what doesn't. But yeah, make sure that you, especially if you do have Going back to talking about core values, if it's something deeply rooted in your core values, well, don't ignore that. There is something to that. Absolutely. So as we wrap up, was there anything else that you wanted to share? Any other advice you wanted to give to our listeners? That if you feel strongly enough about something, start something. Put it out there. Think about even a small little test. Uh, but amazing things happen when people have that courage to put themselves out there and to, to try uh, I guarantee that in five or 10 years, when you look back, you won't be disappointed that you gave it a shot. It might feel scary, it might feel intimidating, uh, but go for it. Surround yourself with people that'll be there to support you. And I think you'll surprise yourself with what you're capable of. That's so awesome. So thank you so much, Alex. It's just been, it's been delightful to, to hear your perspective and hear your experiences and, and to get that encouragement from someone who not only has done it, but knows how to coach other people to do it. You can learn more about Alex's background and get some great resources at his website. It's A-L-E-X-B-U-D-A-K.com and get a free copy of your Changemaker Toolkit. So it's a great resource if you're looking for your first step or your next step and just want to be connected to a tribe who gets you and who knows you. So as you continue learning how to lead change this month, I just also want you to check out leadwithintention.com and we have more insight and perspectives from other millennial change makers. And just thank you again for being with us today. This is Leslie Bosserman inviting you to join the wholehearted leadership revolution as you continue leading with intention. <laughs>